Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm, you say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> creepy. Oh, hey, everybody. We're being creepy on Script Shop today. Hi, guys. It's Jack. And Allison. And we are your hosts for Script Shop. Right. The place where we talk to screenwriters about their screenplays and why they wrote them and why they're the only person in the whole world who has this story inside their heart and must uncage the bird and let it sing. And the ghost must be released <laughs> into the world. We've been on a bit of a tear on quasi scary yeah. you know not on purpose or related scripts yeah no it's just it's just coincidental and we're we have one again and it's today it's not even october i know that's that's why this yeah, this is a year round show <laughs> so much planning goes into these things sometimes just <laughs> wrapping up something to read uh, well truly yes and uh so th- this uh our script for this week's show is and it's not even all that scary it's not no it's, it's based around the idea of scary but it's not scary in and of itself right it's uh we have today the creepy house by Shoshana Rosenbaum. It's a 99-page sweet and spooky feature about loneliness, friendship, history, and embracing differences in others. Yes, I'm so glad you said the friendship part because that's a big yes. that was a big theme for me when I was reading it. It's really not creepy at all. I mean, not really. Maybe two parts, I think. Yeah. Or like, whoa. A ghost is doing ghost stuff. Otherwise, it's like Casper the Friendly Ghost. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like what was the name in the Harry Potter with the girl that lived in the bathroom? Yeah. Oh, man. Myrtle. Moaning, moaning Myrtle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I saw, that was sort of I mean, who she I was, was picturing. She was pretty creepy to me, especially in the books. She like gets mad and is like, mm, Harry doesn't come visit me and then okay. acts out and everything. <laughs> Just, Creeps me out when okay, when well, ghosts have feelings about things. Well, and our, there's a ghost girl in uh, this script who has feelings about things. That's right. And we can't wait to talk to Shoshana about uh, her screenplay, where it comes from, and everything that is in it just for you listeners. And uh, so uh, speaking of just for you, if you want to be a part of our little world, if you want to connect with us, you can do that on the good old internet. And you can uh, friend us on Facebook and on Instagram and on Twitter, Script Shop Show on any of those uh, platforms. That's right. You could also, if you just wanted to share a little bit more than your social media presence, send in a screenplay to scriptshopshow.com slash submit. We're still working on our backlog that we have, so apologies in advance if it takes forever. But. Forever. But we do. We get there. And if you Uh, use the phrase that pays. Hashtag hot burrito. That's how we know that you listen to the show, and we will move your script to the front of the line, and we'll, we'll evaluate your work first. That's right. So please send in your work. We can't wait to hear from you. Yes. Uh, also, uh, we are on Patreon. If you're interested in supporting us financially, we are lucky enough to have a few supporters now. We are eternally grateful for that, and uh, there's details about that, too. Uh, Patreon.com. Search Script Shop Show. Um, Jack, did you have any ghosts in your house when you were growing up? No, because there's no... Oh, God, Jack. No. Yep. You know, I nope. feel, here's nope. the thing. You can't, tell me. Go ahead, tell me. We can't go in, I can't go into my f- personal feelings about whether or not ghosts Why? are real. Because it would because just we're go about on to, forever. But we're about to have an interview with a writer who wrote a story all about it, and I don't right. want to be that guy that's like, this is not true. Well, we already know you're that guy. I know. Because anyone who's like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, okay, not, you don't I mean, know. There's things that we don't understand as human beings. I'm fully willing to to acknowledge that. And energy can neither be created nor destroyed. I'm familiar. But, I mean, somebody floating around that's waist high and, like, uh, tied to this plane. I have seen a ghost before. Uh Uh-huh. And, oh God! <laughs> See, it makes me not even want to share this story with you. Uh, no, go ahead. You could share. I'm it. not gonna. No, I'm gonna, you can't. I'm, I'm not gonna, gonna I'm wait not, for I'm an all... appropriate time in the conversation. I don't want to be dismissive. Where I can be like, here's my trump card. I saw a ghost, and there were ghosts in my house growing up. Well, you know, maybe Shoshana, who we have on the line here, maybe she's had a personal experience with a ghost, and maybe Shoshana Rosenbaum. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Shoshana, How are you guys doing? We're doing okay. Have you are have you had a personal ghost related experience? Um, let's see. Well, um, yes. Okay. I think actually, just hearing you guys talk about it, it made me realize that. And I actually wasn't thinking about this when I wrote the script, hmm. but um, 
when I was probably about the same age as the characters in the script, maybe a little younger, like, you know, like nine, 10, um, in my neighborhood, uh, there was one old house left, like it was a suburban development and there was one old house and the rumor was that was where, uh, it, so our road was called Ditmar road. And uh, apparently there had been an old lady who lived in that house whose name was Alice Ditmar, who was mm. the last of the Ditmars. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, I don't know how much of this is true. Or <laughs> this is going well already like, though. Yeah. <laughs> And so there was one summer that my friends and I became kind of obsessed with this house and this supposedly old woman who I think had died at that point. Maybe the house was empty. And we we kind of convinced ourselves that we were, you know, seeing stuff out of the corner. I mean, I really didn't have a full on ghost encounter, oh, but uh, hmm. there was a there was a summer that, uh, yeah, that we were thinking my friends and I were thinking about it all the time and sure that she was in some way like trying to communicate with us. Huh. This, but you said you weren't thinking about this this whole summer I, while yeah, you wrote this? House with a ghost I in actually it? wasn't. No, this um, story, I mean, this was inspired by the street I live on now, which is a neighborhood that was mostly built like in the, probably the, the early part of the 20th century. But it's like um, a lot of the, in there like small bungalows and little by little over the past like decade or so, a lot of them have been torn down and replaced with you know, much bigger houses that people are building. And there was a house on my street when I first, I've lived uh, in this house for, that I live in now for about 10 years. And uh, there was a house on my block when I first moved in that we called the creepy house mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because no, it was very old. It was very run down. Nobody ever seemed to come in or out. Um, I mean, we did occasionally glimpse, there were people that lived there, but it was just a kind of an anomaly and that like on the block, it was like, like, what's up with that house? And then when it got sold, it was empty for about a year. And one day I was walking by and I saw the door was open and I noticed some graffiti inside mm -hmm. and it suddenly occurred to me like, oh, people are going in there and probably like neighborhood kids are going in there, mm -hmm. you know, and probably there's like, a, this house has a whole life. And that's when I started thinking about like, oh, okay. that's well, what if cool. I had been a kid in this neighborhood, you know? So yeah. Yeah, and now sadly that the creepy house um, on my block has been torn down and replaced with a new house. But <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, so where did the initial uh, childhood, this creepy house that you remember growing up with, uh, what neighborhood, what city, uh, where, oh, where, uh, from where do so, you hail? Yes, I hail uh, Arlington, Virginia, so Northern Virginia, right outside DC. The Ditmers of the Ditmers. Arlington, Virginia. Alice Ditmer. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. So you grew up outside Washington, D.C. Gosh, what was it like growing up outside Washington, D.C.? That's yeah. just such a significant place in our country. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's normal to me. It was uh, because I grew up here. So it um, what was it like? I don't know. It was like um, a suburb in which a lot of people's parents work for the government mm -hmm. or were diplomats. So I definitely went to school, you know, went to like the neighborhood school, elementary school, but like a lot of um People I went to school like would be like there for three years and then they'd be their parents would be sent to, uh, you know, Bosnia or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they go live somewhere else and learn, learn another language. And I mean, actually, my kids now have are having the same experience, like a friend of my son's left in, I think, after third grade. And, and now he's a, about to come back right before sixth grade. Wow. Because, um, they've been in West Africa for three years. So, mm -hmm. I mean, in that way, that's that sort of stuff becomes normal. Um, yeah, no, it's a nice place to grow up. I mean, I yeah. bet it sounds like there's a lot of like variety in terms of people's experiences yeah. and especially mm -hmm. if, if traveling to different countries is normalized, that's not something that's consistent across the United States. So that's very, very unique too. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, that's true. That's true. I mean, the area has changed a lot since I grew up here. I mean, it used to be, um, I think, I mean, I don't know. It's interesting. Also it's, it's kind of, um, for a lot of people, it feels like a transient city, but those of us who are from here, like, have a lot of roots, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah, um, I live in D.C. now, but, like, the, the elementary school my kids go to, there are, like, three or four other people who, like, we all went to the same high school, but that's not as normal here as it might be, like, in other parts of the country, I guess. So if you were growing up and uh, around a lot of, uh, you know, kids of people that worked in government and there was a lot of travel and people coming back and forth, how is it that writing ended up being the thing for you as opposed to getting into what the, I guess, main industry of the town is? Um, yeah, I've just always been a creative person, um, writing, uh, photography, visual art. And I actually did work on the Hill, on Capitol Hill one summer in college, I think because my dad was like, kind of like, this is the town's industry and yeah. like, you should, 
you should and do he this. Had done that, you know, he had worked in the Senate. He was like, you should, you should just have that experience. And so I went and did it for a summer. Uh, it was not for me. It's just, you know, <laughs> it, um, you know, I'm glad that there are people who want to do that, but, and I like try to keep up with it, but I'm definitely not, um, yeah, it's not really my scene. It's not, it's not what I'm passionate about. Okay. When did you start screenwriting? I started screenwriting probably about 15 years ago. I had always been like a fiction writer and uh, written some poetry and I was really intimidated by the idea of writing a novel and uh, which I felt like was kind of the next step after writing short stories. And then, um, but I just, I don't know. I realized one day, like, I really like movies and I like to think about things visually and like, let me try this. And I took a class and I loved it and it just made sense to me. Um, and I liked the idea that I could write a complete long form piece, you know, with, uh, it didn't seem as intimidating as, mm-hmm. as a novel, fewer words, yeah, mm. fewer words. And I, do you think that the idea that there are visuals that you're just kind of like describing or pushing out helps? Yeah, definitely. Cause that's the way I think. I mean, I think like visually, so scenes will come to me in a more visual way. And instead of having to, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like it's less, um, it's less intimidating than having to, to mm-hmm. describe everything, you know, because a lot is left up to the director, of course. Right. So, um, so yeah, it's just a form of writing that I really appeals to me. So you started doing screenwriting about 14 years ago. What did you do before that for, for work, for your job as a, as a professional person? Um, well, I was a teacher. I was a classroom teacher, uh-huh. which is another reason I, that kind of this script was fun for me to write because I like, um, I worked with this age kids. Like I was a middle school teacher, um, and that's who I still, do. I still have a day job. So that's what I do. I work now. I work with teachers as an instructional coach and like help them with their practice. That sounds fun. Yeah. I like, yeah. I like when you are a grown up and you get to work with other grown ups and like help them, help them learn stuff, teach mm-hmm. things. Yeah. That's really fun. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I like it a lot. And it, it's a lot less work than teaching, frankly. <laughs> At least it, it takes a lot less energy. Um, you yeah. know, so I still have time for, uh, for some creative stuff. Yeah, writing, really nice. doing your own things. Is it still tough to get the, the your given student, whether it's an adult or a kid, to do their homework, though? Uh, no. I mean, teachers, like, are when you're a teacher, you're so accountable because the next day you got to show up and, you know, have something for yeah. <laughs> all of these students to do. So so it's not hard to get them to do their homework because they have a lot of, you know, internal pressure to just, just you, do you it. Gotta get them and do it every day. Yeah, there's people waiting. There's, like, 25 or more eager young minds waiting for you. <laughs> So so as a screenwriter now, um, what do you typically find you do with your work as you've written a screenplay? What's your next step with it? Well, that has definitely changed over the time that I have been writing. I mean, when I first started doing it, I I worked on a one feature for a really long time that I actually started in that first screenwriting class. Um, And then I but I was really just I didn't know anything about the industry or how things worked. And gradually, um, you know, I, at first I started like entering contests and then, um, going to like, I went to the Austin film festival. Um, and actually for the first time, I think I went with this script, the one that we're talking about. Um, and, uh, you know, just interacting, like building a community of, um, of other writers. And then I eventually decided to start writing shorts because I wanted to make my own work. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, so I had a script that was in the DC shorts film festival Mm. screenplay competition, um, about six years ago. And if you're a finalist in that competition, then you get to direct a staged reading in front of an audience and the audience votes, like which one gets to, uh, get some funding to be made. Oh, wow. And I, yeah, it's a really cool contest. And I know a lot of screenwriters listen to the show, so I highly recommend, um, cause it has, you know, not all screenwriting contests, like you got to think about what you want to get out of them. This is one where if you're a finalist, you actually get to come to DC, be part of this film festival, get your work up on its feet. Like they help you cast it. They have like a, ca- a cattle call casting, mm-hmm. you know, over one day. And it's really, it's a great experience. So I did that and I actually didn't win, but I had enough people come up to me afterwards and say like, I really hope you make this movie. Um, and that was actually the movie that was in, no, it wasn't, the, I was going to say it wasn't the movie that was in your festival. <laughs> it was my first movie. Um, it was a movie called the goblin baby, which is the supernatural Ooh, thriller. That's a crazy name. Um, the goblin baby. Yes, Sometimes I, will, I call my own child that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it came out of it, the script came out in, to some degree out of my own experiences of being a mother. I have three kids. Um, and it's like a modern, you know, the idea of changelings yes. in folklore. Yeah. So it's like a modern, um, changeling story. I, it was like, my idea for it was like, what, what if in the modern day and age, uh, you know, a mother came to the crib and saw this baby that looked mm. just like her baby and thought, 
like, but had a gut feeling this is not my baby. Oh, so, man. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the script. And because I had this, like, great experience of um, being in that contest and getting to direct it and having actors in it, I was like, you know what? And I had just turned 40 also. And I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to make this movie. Like, I've gotten enough. Like, people seem like they're really responding to the material. So then I made that. And and then I made another short, which was in Hide Independent, and which is how I met you yeah. guys. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> great. And thank you for submitting that, too. Oh, it was my pleasure. And it was such a great festival. It was so much fun to come to Cincinnati and do that. Um, so and then and actually since then, um, it's changed a little bit again because I now actually have a manager out in L.A. that I'm working cool. with. Cool. How did you get your manager? I got my manager because I, um, so the, there was a script. So that, that first film I told you about the goblin baby, mm -hmm. um, that I turned into a feature length script and it got onto a list that's called the bitch list, which mm. is also another good thing for, um, screener, aspiring screenwriters to know about, which is, um, so I'm sure you've heard of the blacklist, which is like, right. the, you know, the best unproduced screenplays in Hollywood, whatever. Well, there's a woman who I believe is a manager out there who, um, started, this alternative called the bitch list, which is the best, um, Bechdel test passing okay. unproduced screenplays mm -hmm. of the year. So my scripts, the guy, it was at that point, it was called the goblin child. Um, it now has a different name, but it, it got onto that list. And so, um, which was really cool. And one of the, and you know, they send out like a, you know, titles and log lines to a lot of people. And so a producer contacted me and asked to read it. And then he read it. And then he said, you know, we actually have our, he said, we have our own postpartum depression, thrill, supernatural thriller in development. I was like, great, but, oh. <laughs> but, uh, we need more of those. But, um, but then he said, oh, we're actually interested in talking about this other project. I ended anyway, long story short, I ended up writing like a political thriller for them. Mm -hmm. Um, and through them, I found that my manager. Mm -hmm. okay. okay, cool. It's always great to hear stories of like how people get connected with others who represent them because it's like one of those mystical things that until you meet the right person or like find the right connection through a certain job that a lot of people are like, how do I get an agent, a manager? Yeah. And it's like, well, you got to keep working and then yeah. it kind of shows up that way. That's that's just what happened is I just kept kind of kept at it. And, um, you know, that he just wanted to he read a draft of the script and said, hey, I'd love to meet this writer. And then, you know, read that other the Goblin Child script and said, I'd like to like develop this with you and let's try working together. And um, we did a rewrite of that together and then agreed that we liked working together and now have signed, you know, I've signed with him. So. Um, so anyway, just to get back to your original question, like it, it definitely has changed in terms of what I'm doing with the work. Cause now I'm like getting, finally getting an opportunity to like pitch on assignments and try to, mm -hmm. so now my writing is like more, um, I guess it, in terms of what I'm doing with it, I'm, I'm trying to get paid for it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And but when... I'm also still making, I mean, I'm like a friend and I are just starting pre-production for another original short which actually she adapted from a short story that my brother wrote and which Aww. i'm going to direct so Aww. yeah that's what that's what i was going to ask you you were talking about when you were doing the shorts and you were saying you were making these you were making these so it's more than just writing for you you're you're behind the camera involved in the capacity of being a director yes yeah so i've i've written and directed two shorts and now i'm getting ready to direct a third or co-direct i'm trying to convince this this screenwriter that we should co-direct it because i want her to get the experience of, of directing mm -hmm. as well um, but yeah, yeah, I'm, re I'm really interested in directing too. I feel like I'm a lot further away from being able to do that professionally than I am screenwriting. Um, like I'm getting more traction, in, but I'm, you know, I'm going to keep like plugging at it and, you know, I didn't go to film school, so <laughs> I'm sort of learning all of this as like a second, um, kind of a second career. What do you, what do you think are some of the most valuable things you've learned just by trying yeah. these things? Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, just to do it, like just to go, you know, I think because I grew up in an era when I just didn't see a lot. Well, I frankly also growing up in DC and on the East coast, like I didn't, I didn't really even conceptualize that this was like a thing one could do like <laughs> for a career. I don't think that was even in my head. Like when I, when I, you know, went to college and stuff. Um, and then also frankly, like being a female writer and director is not something I saw a ton of examples of, um, you know, only, only recently, I feel like, are, are we starting to see more of those? So, um, so yeah, I guess what I've learned is just like, uh, put yourself out there. And that's part of like be being the age that I am now, like in my forties, it's just a lot easier for me to, 
I, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't feel as, I feel less and less intimidated, I guess. That's <laughs> what I'm trying, yeah. trying yeah. to say and more willing to just like go for it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this may be a terrible metaphor because I've neither, I've neither directed a film nor run a marathon, but in terms or of. Or seen a ghost. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah but, <laughs> I'm not letting that go. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I'm thinking about it in terms of, okay, well, you, if you want to run a marathon and you've never done it, but like you're, it's just about practicing and yeah. take, you know, run a, run a certain distance and then run a little longer and then you run a little longer the next time and you get better at it as you do it and you work your way up to doing this thing that you've never done before and I would imagine if you've got your own you've written these shorts and you've got some people that are willing to work on it for you and you've raised some money and you've got some interest then all of a sudden it's like okay well let's 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 try to do this thing yeah yeah absolutely yeah it just helps I mean if you like doing something I think if you just keep doing it and like you said as you get more experience you figure out more and more how to do it and get you gain more confidence and then you also start I mean, that's the hard thing sometimes about being the, the screenwriter and just why I went f- from features to writing shorts mm-hmm. because, you know, otherwise your work, it's very hard to get a feature produced. So like, but if you make a short and you write it in, like when I wrote my, my first short that I intended to direct, I wrote it in such a way that I could shoot it in my house, in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, like I didn't put any car chases in it or <laughs> explosions anything or anything. Anything too crazy. I, yeah, that would be hard. And so... But it, it can be hard, I think, otherwise, because it's very hard to get your work out there as opposed to other art forms where people can interact with it right away. Mm-hmm. And that is what kind of feeds it is if you can get like some um, some traction, you can just see what yeah, some traction, yeah. see what people see people's reaction to it and um, ideally see that it moves people. Then then it's like it like feeds you to keep doing it. Right. And what did you say the name of that competition was that you were recommending? Oh, DC Shorts okay. Film Festival okay. uh, screenplay competition. Okay, that's there such a go. cool idea. Yeah, it's a great idea. Um, and I, I think that there are others like that. Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but like I think, well, don't you do something like that at we Independent? Do. Yes. Where you, you we read? have a screenplay, yeah. and actually, this year is really cool for the 2019 festival. We are moving to a theater that's just a couple of blocks cool. away from the Woodward Theater. Yeah. So yeah. we're we're gonna get to do staged live readings in a really awesome theater space in downtown Cincinnati and we That's we bring in a cast of actors as well actually Jack runs this yeah this is this cool. is Al, Allison said hey do you want to run this I said sure and I'm happy to be doing it in the real theater now as, as opposed <laughs> to us being in the basement, basement of, of a bar with pinball machines oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it was yeah. super necessary to upgrade this year and we're excited to do it yeah hey, let's yeah. talk about creepy house yeah okay is this so? You talked about Goblin Baby and a couple other supernatural things. I guess potentially also involving children. Is that sort of your milieu as, as a writer? Is that your <laughs> is that your forte? I get. I get, I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, well, something that I've been intensively doing like the last decade of my life is parenting, and I have three kids. Right. How old are your kids? Range- They're uh, my youngest is seven, and my oldest is going to be fourteen next month. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah. So, I mean, and actually I partly wrote this in reaction to when I had the, the first kernel of the idea, it was because we went to see Goonies mm. and I was like very excited to share Goonies with them. But what struck me watching it as an adult is like, this movie is so fun. And these this kind of movie is so much fun. And why are there never movies like this about girls where like a group mm. of girls get mm-hmm. to go on an adventure and it's not just like the boys and the one girl, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. that's like I love even now, like I love stranger things, but I'm like, Really? So it's still like we got the one girl. And then right. the next season, it's like we got a different one girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe they get the girls get to talk to each other in one episode. You know, and so I just um, that's part of why I wrote it. I, it was just like I wanted to do a Goonies for girls. So the Creepy House tells the story about it, it, it's the, the, the classic story of a creepy house on the corner and the kids in the neighborhood that are, you know, oh, there's something going on in there. And they talk about the fact that there's ghosts. It's Halloween. Uh, there's a dare involved where your main character girl, Casey, who's not necessarily a, a risk taker or somebody who even really wants to get involved in spooky, scary dares on Halloween. But she does it. She goes into the house for a little bit and she meets this ghost girl. It, it, and I wanted to get to the idea that Casey is a middle child mm-hmm. she's got an older sister and a younger brother and i feel like that's a very specific choice for you as a writer making her the middle child yeah it definitely was yeah i wanted to put her in that position um where like you said like she has where her older sib- or her each of her siblings younger and older are getting a lot of attention for different reasons but where she's kind of like in the middle and forgotten and not standing out in any way in her family at this particular moment in her life and she's also kind of like you said she's not a risk taker she's not somebody who puts herself out there so does casey a- mirror your middle child at all 
Uh, not at all, actually. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> My middle child is very. Uh, we always joke that he's he's not a classic middle child at all because he's very he's very extroverted and he's. We don't worry about him like getting forgotten. If anything, it's the other two are like, really him again? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did your kids show up at all in any of the characters in the script? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, when I wrote this, my oldest was around the age of these girls. I mean, so, but I wouldn't say any of them are, are, you know, exactly like her, but I mean, it definitely was helpful that I had, I got, was getting to watch some girls around that age or almost that age interacting. Um, but, but a lot of it just came from my Experience. imagination and, and also, like I said, I was a middle school teacher. Right. So like watching, you know, watching girls for years. And also specifically the relationship, uh, the idea of sisters in a relationship. I, I've, I have a sister, but as far as us being a brother-sister relationship, I think is very different from two girls who are sisters or even two boys that are brothers. That's such a, that's a very specific uh, dynamic to have yeah. with somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I have a brother, though he's my older brother, so it's a little different. But I guess I do, I did think about the relationship between uh, my first and second kids who are an, an older girl and a younger boy in terms yeah. of the Casey and, um, why relationship. Yeah. yeah. So when you were developing uh, these girls that go on a gang and kind of, or go on an adventure as a little gang, or also, I just think of all of them as kind of a gang, even though the twins are kind of yeah. like bad, the, like the bad guys for a little bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> How did you develop out this whole little posse of kids to exist in this story and decide kind of who was essential to the story and yeah. then maybe who wasn't and didn't make the final cut? Because there's a lot of kids in it. Yeah, there are. I mean, I just, I think like little, well, I guess I grew up kind of in a neighborhood like this. And now I, again, live in a neighborhood that's, you know, quiet enough that there are kids who um, get to kind of wander around and like, you know, hang out and run into each other and have those. So they have like a little kid society that adults aren't always a part of or mm-hmm. on that fringes of. <laughs> and I think that's kind of interesting. Um, so I, I don't know. I think it just sort of organically developed in terms of me and Matt, like mm-hmm. letting these characters interact and seeing what would come of it. So you, when you write, you just kind of start imagining the situations and, and let your let your mind just kind of roll and run with it? Uh, to some degree, yeah. I mean, I think in screenwriting, um, I have learned like over the years that it helps a lot if you do have a general arc in mind or mm-hmm. a plan. Um, but when I wrote this, but at the same time, you have to balance that with like um, letting your just intuitive feeling about it, like bubble up because I think there's stuff in all of our subconscious that that we don't know is there and if you like let your characters just go then they'll start talking to you mm-hmm. and let you know <laughs> things will happen that you didn't expect yeah um so I think for me it's like trying to strike that balance right and then all the kids in the neighborhood start talking about you living in the creepy house as you're walking around talking to yourself <laughs> and all these imaginary yeah. characters right. it's, it's honestly yep. a very common thing for our writer so I'm completely yeah. joking <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> and then, you know, because of your history of being a teacher and then being a parent also, you know, you're you're creating this cast of kids and it's like I in, in my head I sort of see it as almost like you're you're coming up with a meal or like a recipe and you're you're deciding what you know, do you want a little bit of spicy kids, maybe a little bit of sweet, maybe, you know, throw a tomato in there and like the idea of trying to figure out what kind of kids and personalities are gonna make up this group. It's you're 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 creating this this soup, this stew. Kids do. Mm-hmm. Kids do. Kids Maybe do. kid chili, a little chunky as you bite into it. <laughs> I don't like <laughs> the word chunky in this at all. <laughs> well, it's a weird metaphor. Yeah, it is a weird. Well, I like. I'm, I'm a sucker for a food metaphor. But the idea that you're in control here and you're 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 building this. It's the same thing if it was a painting and you're what choosing about sort garden of what, what and you're colors. planting sure. and letting them grow and flourish. And <laughs> certainly, <laughs> well, a couple of zaleas over bit here. More of a parental instinct in gotcha. terms of letting kids grow. <laughs> that's mu- you know what? That's it. much she better. Doesn't want anyone eating her baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole different movie, and we're not getting. Yeah, that's a whole different story altogether. So, uh, so in this creepy house story, Casey goes into said creepy house, yes. and there's a ghost girl in yes. there who they become friends, right. uh, reluctantly at first, but it, it ends up happening. They forge this connection, and it it turns into the, ultimately the as far as the plot driven part of it goes, this house is going to be torn down. It's 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 a it's a I guess maybe a bit of a blight on the neighborhood. It's a bit of an it's eyesore. Apart. It's it's it, unsafe. It's like really falling apart. The kids almost fall through some steps at some point. Right. 
And this this girl ghost, uh, Edith, is tied. Edie, excuse me, Edie is tied to it in a way that if it gets torn down as a ghost, she's like screwed. Right? Mm-hmm. She she won't be able to keep being herself. But she, and she's stuck between worlds anyway. What kind of uh, work did you have to do to like develop the rules of her yeah. living as a ghost or a wraith in this space? Um, well, that was definitely one of the hard things I had to figure out, like, yeah, what, what exactly what you said, like what the rules were for this particular, I mean, cause ghosts in, like in literature and film have been, you know, definitely there's lots of different uh, sets of rules for them. But so, yeah, I basically would decided that at least she would believe and the kids would believe that she was very much tied to this house so that that was the stakes were that if the house was torn down, you know, the, that she would some she would be obliterated in some way. Yeah, because so, now, now there's um, stakes. Yeah, exactly. And so as- yeah, so I just I just sort of gradually came up with you know with that. Mm-hmm. Just trying to figure out what could motivate them all to saving her and therefore saving the house as well. Yeah, and maybe yeah, themselves. And like, what you know? Why why was she still there? Like, what is she afraid of? Why has she? Yeah, why is she in the house? Why didn't? Because um, I guess when you start dealing with supernatural things you do have to figure out the rules like why why isn't everybody who's dead still around so like Mm -hmm. if there are only certain ghosts like why are those ghosts you know still here that Mm -hmm. kind of thing well we should probably since we introduced the idea of this part where casey meets Edie and they become friends but it's a it's a bit of a scary thing at first because it's you know a girl who's nervous about meeting a ghost and who Mm -hmm. wouldn't be nervous about that yeah Uh, and that's the scene we're going to read from uh for this show so listeners if you're following along we're going to be reading starting on page 30 um, I'm going to be reading for the character Casey, who's 10, 9 or 10, somewhere around there. Um, Shoshana is actually going to lend us her voice today as Edith, Edie slash Ghost Girl. And Jack is going to be doing all of our action headings today. So, And, you know, as good as the quality is of, of Shoshana on Skype. She's not going to sound too otherworldly. There is, but there's a little bit of a, like a yeah. sort of a vibe to it. I, I, I sort of yeah. dig it, actually. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Um, do I guess we don't really need to set this up anymore than the fact that Casey's not supposed to be in there and she dropped a camera right. in the house. A camera she's going back to get. Shoshana, is there anything else that you'd like to mention before we read this scene? Um, no, I mean, I guess maybe it's helpful to know that, like you alluded to earlier, the setup is that this um, there's like a tradition in the neighborhood that the kids have to go in on Halloween. You kind of have to like run in the house and count to 10. And Casey's always avoided doing that until this, this particular Halloween. And that's how she ended up losing her camera in it. It's her friends kind of kind of forced her gotcha. uh, to go in there. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Okay. So um, Jack, whenever you're there ready, take it away. Interior creepy house day. The door creaks open. and Casey peers in. Hello. Casey steps over the threshold. I can do this. The ghost girl peers round the corner. Curiously, Casey doesn't see her. I will find it. Casey gingerly peels aside pieces of trash in the entry hall. The ghost girl inches closer, soundlessly. Casey paws through dusty junk. Where is it? The ghost girl points at the camera, discarded in a corner. This? Casey whirls around and shrieks. She sprints for the door, but the girl slides into her path again. Casey tries to stop, but skids right into the girl. Casey shrieks again, dancing in a circle to shake off ghost cooties. She forces herself to meet the ghost girl's gaze. I just need the camera, please. The ghost girl sweeps back to where the camera lies on the floor and scrutinizes it. Camera? Casey tentatively tiptoes forward. The ghost girl looks up at her. Casey lunges for the camera. The girl blocks her path, and Casey surges back with another shriek. (gasps) Come on! The girl struggles to find more of her voice. You're scared of me. I don't meet a lot of ghosts. The ghost girl blinks at Casey, a smile flickering over her face. She concentrates, reaching for a distant memory. The ghost girl curtsies. Edith Warwick, so pleased to make your acquaintance. The ghost girl, Edie looks proud of herself. Hi. Um, Edith? Edith shakes her head. Edie. Okay. Edie. Edie's face glows at the sound of her nickname. I'm Edie. Edie stretches out her ghostly fingers, seeing them in a new light. Uh, nice to meet you. Edie gestures at Casey. What? Oh, you want me to... Casey mangles a curtsy. Edie giggles. Well, people don't really do that anymore. 
And your name? Casey Cavanaugh. Casey Cavanaugh. Edie peers down at the camera. Casey gingerly scoots by Edie and nabs the camera. Edie peers at it with interest. Standing at arm's length, Casey shows Edie how the camera turns on. Casey scrolls through some of the pictures and Edie gapes at the screen. Edie points at a portrait of Natalie staring pensively in the distance. You like that one? It's like a painting. Lovely. I'll probably have to delete it. If she ever sees it, she'll kill me. A pebble strikes the window. Casey and Edie peer outside. And scene. End scene. So that's a little bit of a setup. And uh, the, the pebble at the window is her younger brother, Wyatt, who's sort of following her around and wanting to help and trying not to be too much of a pest. But he's, but a, he's a pest. He's a baby brother. Yeah. <laughs> that's just what they do. Yeah. Uh, you know, yep. so being in this house and there's a there's a sort of a nosy lady who lives across the street who's sort of feels like she's in charge of the neighborhood. And she's not necessarily a bad person, but in terms of what the kids are trying to do versus what this lady is trying to do, they're they're. They're at odds with each right. other. Mrs. Duffy is constantly telling the kids not to go into the creepy house or she's going to tell their parents. Right. And there's one point where, in terms of the, the throwing rocks, where when she's trying to get to the house, this younger brother, Wyatt, is literally throwing rocks Which at her to hold her off. And I, I guess it was sort of building me up to the question, Shoshana, of what's it like? Is there a part of you as you're writing this where you're sort of feeling like you need to walk a line between these kids, you know, technically misbehaving or breaking the rules or whatever, but also they're not being bad and try not to cross that line into the kids actually quote-unquote being Being bad bad. right yeah I think that well that's um I mean it wasn't hard to walk that line (laughs) because I'm a parent so I don't want them to be too bad of course but um you know I don't know I mean and I wanted to keep this to be kind of a family-friendly movie so of course it's not like I mean there are other movies where kids are bad that are more dramatic and more aimed at adults but um but I did want this to be in general like a like a feel-good family movie with like just enough scares that it would be scary in a like an age-appropriate way you Mm -hmm. know like in a fun way but not not terrifying Okay, so, gosh, we talked about the history of ghosts. Edith and Casey are meeting. Casey keeps going back. She keeps walking back into the house and really becoming, I mean, gaining a lot of confidence from interacting with Edith and then kind of taking that back to her other friend group. What do you really see being her biggest obstacles that she overcomes in this story? Is it just like getting enough confidence to face her fears or bullies or do what she needs to do? Yeah, I think it's also this idea that she's at this age, she's about 11. And so, you know, there it's like maybe the first year of middle school. And it's a time when and she's not a very assertive um, girl at the beginning of the story. And like you said, she's the middle child and she's kind of used to being overlooked for her more uh, outgoing siblings. Um, so I think part of it is also her just getting, um, a sense of herself. And the thing is that she has a different kind of friendship with Edie than she does with her, her life, human friends Mm -hmm. (laughs) who also tend to kind of put her into a box. And Mm -hmm. like one of the thing that her relationship with, uh, her friendship with Edie teaches her is that, uh, I mean, one of the lines that Edie says is a friend, you know, a true friend sees who you really are. Mm -hmm. And so I think she gains this not only like better understanding of who she is and who she wants to be. Um, through conquering her fears and also through this true friendship, but also she realizes like I can deserve more from the people in my life. Like I can, I can demand more. I guess like right. I can. Because she ask does. Them to really... Yeah. yeah. That was one of my favorite. I mean, I specifically made a note. One of my favorite things about this script was the idea, the role that like perspective plays and how how someone sees you can be inspiring because Edith, Edith sees Casey as brave and strong from Edie's Mm -hmm. from Edie's point of view. Casey's this brave, strong person. And Casey sort of realizing that from this girl, that this ghost girl that she's making friends with is like that serves as inspiration to her. Oh, gosh, maybe I'm not in this like fearful box that I thought I had to stay in. Right. Exactly. I love that. Exactly. That. Yeah. I think that is a really interesting idea that the way somebody else sees you can transform how you see yourself. Yeah. I also love too, that Edith is such a well-rounded character herself that she's not just kind of a little like a crutch for the story. Mm -hmm. She actually seems to be her own character with motivations, history that shows up, uh, emotional responses to current events that are happening. And then her whole full arc near the end as well. Mm-hmm. Did yeah? Was that just part of like the development of the story as it went along, or did you objectively set out to not have her just be a ghost in the story? 
Oh yeah. I mean, I think she had to be, she couldn't just be, I mean, she's a, she's a character. She's a real character. She's one of the main characters. Yeah. So yeah, she definitely had to have a backstory in terms of, um, you know, who she was, why she was the same, you know, the way she was mm -hmm. and also why she was kind of stuck in her, I won't say her life, but her afterlife <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or stalled before she could get to the afterlife or whatever. Mm -hmm. In terms of themes also, I think one of the things I really liked too was the theme of home and feeling comfortable there and caring for a place. And, and the fact that Edie literally gets saved by friendship. Shoshana, I'm such a sucker. I've said it on the show before. I'm such a sucker for stories about friendship. And the idea that this, this little ghost girl who is in danger of becoming a thing that she doesn't want to be mm -hmm. if this house gets torn down but she's saved by her friends that she's made like that's that, that you you're you're plucking my heartstrings with that i love that <laughs> well thank you thank you yes i thought i thought it would be fun to have a story that like i said how does has a i always like supernatural you know aspects of things but um but at the same time was like a genuinely warm story about about friends and um you know, I, I, again, like we don't get a lot of these stories about groups of girls. Like right. I, nowadays we have like, we have more and more female protagonists, which is great, but that's, but we don't like, I wanted to do a group of girls that they were young enough that it wasn't about like the boys they liked or whatever. And it wasn't about them competing with each other or yep. like, you know, being mean to each other, but actually about them, about their friendship and um, them being generous to each other. Do I you, mean, there's conflict of two, but you know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the overall message. Uh, do you have any production plans on this already? I wish I did. I mean, <laughs> unlike the shorts that I've written, um, I did not write this with a, um, sort of self-producing in mind. So I think this would be relatively uh, somewhat expensive to make because you really do need a house and mm -hmm. um spoiler like the house has to be destroyed <laughs> yeah you know what? So, I, I, I just want to can we real quick before mm -hmm. we get into more production stuff that was the other one of the other things i really liked about this the twist of that the house doesn't get saved the kids are trying to preserve this house and it turns into a sort of they're fighting the system and trying to do whatever they can to get this building to prevent this building from being torn down but in the end, that doesn't work. And I thought that was a really strong choice. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I, it, yeah, it was uh, kind of freeing to make that choice, but it also made it, I mean, it's a little bit of misdirection because then, like we were talking about, it's really a story about friendship and like how that can save you. And it, it, they, they think that it's, they all think that it's the house that needs to be saved, but it turns out, you know, that there's more, that they have more power than, they have less power in like a real world adult where adults control things, but you yeah. know, they, they do control like their love for each other, which is what ends up saving Edie. Mm -hmm. And there's another lesson in there about learning to let go. That's, right. that's a huge one. Mm -hmm. Like letting everything kind of come full circle and moving on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ugh, that's a hard, yeah. that's a hard lesson to learn as a kid. It is. It's a hard lesson to learn as an adult too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It yeah. Is. Well, it is, you know, I kind of had the um, ET in mind, mm -hmm. uh, which is another like favorite childhood movie of mine. You know, that's just like still such an emotional scene for me to watch, like yeah. when Elliot has to say goodbye to E.T. Yeah. So that's sort of what I had in mind because it is it is still sad. I mean, Casey and Edie are like they have to say goodbye to each other. But um, but they also know, you know, they'll always treasure each other and this this time that they had together. Right. Yeah. And I love that the girls are just like very energized at the end of it, trying to come up with plans to raise money for the cleanup. And yeah. it's like the whole little girl group is just continuing to be adventurous and wild in the future, too. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. And in a way, like, yeah, they're they're not like totally the fact that they didn't say that the house doesn't defeat them. You know, they're, they're right. going to continue to yeah. be little activists. So as far as production stuff so goes, cute. you're you're aware of, you know, sort of the scope of what this would you involve. A, you need a house. Yeah, and <laughs> somewhat of a neighborhood, An unsafe right? Yeah. House. <laughs> yeah, I know. So yeah, like I said, it was it's it's fun to write things and not worry about budget constraints, but then when it comes to like, well, what are you going to do with this? I mean, and to be honest, the the professional advice that I have since received has been that unfortunately, this kind of script unless it's based on existing IP, like if this were a young adult novel, um, that I would adapting it would be much more marketable but like a, an, a as you've probably noticed like there, there aren't a ton of live action uh family family movies um being made right now you know almost everything that's like for the family is more is more animated mm -hmm. occasionally yeah. there are some uh, unfortunately they don't always do so well unless they're connected to like a best-selling 
young adult novel or whatever. So I, I don't, I don't know what to do with it now. I mean, <laughs> it's great that you guys have picked it and then we get to talk about it mm-hmm. and maybe someone will hear it, you know, and yeah. that'll lead to something. Um, I mean, I actually started to novelize it because when I first heard that thing, I was like, well, maybe I'll just reverse engineer it, turn it into right. a novel. And then, <laughs> and then when it's novel. wildly successful, you go, I actually already have the screenplay here. So <laughs> right. let's, let's get this right. going. So I started doing that and I, um, I got, I realized I would have to go about it a different way. Like I can't just write it. it, I got a little bored just writing it as like, as writing the exact same thing. So I think I would probably have to re, you know, just like any sort of adaptation, I probably have to rethink it Mm -hmm. to make it interesting for me enough to take on that kind of project. But I may still do that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I really, I really like the story. So I hope, I hope something, I thought about making, taking a part of it and making it a short, Mm -hmm. but even that, even um, the short, like presents, uh, you know, you still, I wouldn't have to necessarily destroy the house, but I would need a house and, yeah. right. um, so I could still do that. I, I, that's maybe another route to go is to figure out which part of it would make it a good sort. Mm-hmm. Shoshana, so much about this conversation has been about like making stuff happen on your own, doing your shorts and getting into directing. And now the idea of you've written this, the feature length screenplay for this and you're told, well, okay, it'd be better if this was based on a book already. Okay, well, maybe I'll maybe just write I'll the book, book version then. I, I, I'm, <laughs> it's I awesome. Self-actualizing everything is in this talk we're having. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I mean, otherwise, I think screenwriting would be very discouraging because you would spend a lot of time just uh, – sitting around and waking, waiting for other people to do things. So yeah. it's yeah. more fun if you I can completely agree. <laughs> some aspect of it. I mean, I know you guys do. Yeah. Cause you guys make your own stuff too. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, absolutely. Well, if somebody is super excited about this idea and just doesn't even want to wait for the novel to produce this right. whole feature. Yeah. Even better than I don't have to write the novel. <laughs> <laughs> what would be the best way for somebody to get in touch with you? Um, well, so I have a website, which is just my name. Uh, so it's Shoshana Rosenbaum.com. Um, do you want me to spell that? Cause I know my name. Sure. Is the, or, Might as okay, well. So, it will be on our website, but just in yeah. case. Um, so Shoshana is S H O S H A N A, just like it sounds. And Rosenbaum is R O S E N B A U M. So Shoshana Rosenbaum.com has kind of like um, some different things about different projects I'm working on. Um, and there's a contact form on there. So if somebody wanted to reach out to me, that would be awesome. Any fun email addresses about like Shoshana Rosen, the bomb.com or anything no. like that? <laughs> what? No, yes. no. But when I was a teacher, I did have students occasionally call. Well, they usually called me Miss Rose, but sometimes they, I had a couple of students who were like, can we call you Miss Bomb? Yeah. Yeah. You're the bomb. Yes. Yeah. That phrase was like current. So, <laughs> It's uh, well, let's not, don't tell me that that's not a phrase anymore. There's no way for know. sure you can still say that. For sure. I mean, you could say anything you want. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I've got to I've got to keep saying things with a bomb. Keep saying it. Yeah. I'm just going to catch the the ironic circle as it comes back around again to being actually genuine. Yeah. Well, it's not like Jack I is I mean, so I... cool. That's right. <laughs> Said nobody uh. ever. Shoshana, thank you very much for sending us your work and uh, coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Oh, it was so much fun. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to talk to me about it. Thanks a lot. All right. There's Shoshana. That was awesome. Yeah, it was great. I love it. And, and she's so energetic. She's so energetic. It's yeah. a story about girls that are going doing That's this thing. Great. And as much as I've, I think I've said before that I, I, I'm very – not often do I find myself being a fan of – like when kids solve a problem that like adults can't figure out that sometimes right. bothers me. Yeah. There's a few times I'm willing to say it, where it works really well. Super 8 I thought it worked really mm-hmm. well. In. And in this one because it's – the kids are ju- – they, they, they've got a very specific thing that they're trying to do. It's, mm-hmm. it's not overly broad. It's not overly impossible. It's very focused. And the kids, all those little personalities and characters it makes sense are as very well defined. why they would be there. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Like I really don't think that the ghost Edith might have interacted with a grown-up that just stumbled into that yeah. house the way she – she for sure not. Somebody who's the same age as her. For sure. Maybe, you know, centuries apart. But mm-hmm. um, do you want to hear my ghost story the, from the one time I saw I would an like, actual ghost? Yes, I would like to hear okay. the time about the time you saw a ghost. Let me actually tell you that I have had lots of encounters with ghosts. And okay. this is the one time that I saw 
a ghost, mm-hmm. which was that me and my friend Sam mm-hmm. in Farmersville, Texas, used to do lemonade stands. Sam lived across the street, but not a lot of traffic came through. So one day we decided that instead of waiting for people to come to us, we would take lemonade to people's doors, knock on the door, and ask them to buy lemonade. <laughs> Guilt them into buying. Uh, you know, we were kids. Yeah. We didn't think about it that way, but I'm sure that's what happened. <laughs> we're charging 25 cents for yeah. a cup of lemonade. They'll be so happy that's probably just mostly sugar. <laughs> yeah. So da- one block down the street from where I live, my mm-hmm. house is on a corner, one block down. I can see this house from if we stand on my corner. We walk all the way down there. Sam and I are holding, each of us are holding cups of lemonade that are like filled to the top with lemonade. And we knock on the door of this old Victorian house. And we're standing there just like being sweet little kids. And I see, and this is funny because it's like nearly exactly what you said about ghosts in the beginning. This old woman ghost come gliding out the side of a door into the hallway, like literally gliding. And she had no feet at all. Mm -hmm. And Sam and I both see this ghost lady. We're completely terrified. I remember us grabbing, grabbing each other and like lemonade sloshing everywhere. And then what happened is that one of the ladies who actually lived in this house came to answer the door, ran through the ghost and the ghost just disappeared. And so this lady answers the door, and we're, like, so terrified that we can barely even talk. And yeah. I don't even remember what we said because it's like I blacked out from being so scared. Now, this gets a little bit – goes on just a little bit more, which okay. is that this scared me so badly that growing up, anytime we would drive past this house, I would close my eyes because I was terrified that I would peek into a window and see this ghost there again, which I know I had seen her, but I was just terrified that it would like actually confirm that there was a ghost there. I'm telling my mom this story when I'm in college and we're driving past the house and my mom is like, that didn't happen. No. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm like about to cry telling her it did actually happen. She thinks I'm punking her mm-hmm. because she had just had a conversation with a woman who grew up in that house who told my mom about the ghost and described the ghost the exact same way. Okay. That I did. Well, listen. Uh, listen. Boom shakalaka. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, I can't argue with it's any terrifying. of that. It's, yeah, that would <laughs> freak me out too. So, Jack. I, okay. Yeah, I believe in ghosts now. <laughs> Congratulations. I yeah, I, I surrender. It's the ghosts are real. And I just hope that you get tortured by a ghost at some point. No, why would you say that? That's because a terrible you, thing to wish on somebody. I, no, it's not that bad. <laughs> uh, if you've been tortured by a ghost, uh, maybe the ghost of creativity that you're trying to get out, and you're. <laughs> Putting it on paper and writing it as a script. Nailed it. You should, uh, you should write that into a script form and uh, you should send it to us. And you can do that by going on to scriptshopshow.com slash submit. Don't forget to check us out on social media, scriptshopshow.com, uh, or I guess it's just scriptshopshow on Facebook, Instagram, mm-hmm. Twitter. Um, get online, read these scripts. Yeah, They're we wonderful. A, we have a ton of scripts for we people to do. read now. They're wonderful and learn more about these artists because we love and support them. And we would love it if you did too. Yes, please. Uh, if you're on iTunes, please feel free to leave us a review, leave us a rating. We would love that just to Tell get the word out. Tell us your own ghost stories. Yeah, do any of those things. We'd love that. Let's change Jack's mind. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, well, I, it's already done. I'm... I'm <laughs> I'm a ghost guy now. Yeah. Uh-huh. He, you're a ghost buster. I'm... <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, went somewhere. Okay, listeners, thanks for tuning in. Until next week, that's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West. Hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley. Produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by Bensound.com. Outro music by Purple-Planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Special.